Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised. I worship you. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10.17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next 20 minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another 20-Minute Bible Study. I'm Jordan Pine. And I'm Andy Balog. Today, we'll be looking at the book of Hebrews and discussing two powerful metaphors for spiritual maturity, milk and meat. Let's get right to it. Let's listen now to the Word of God. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unacquainted with the words of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. That was Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Okay, let's begin again by using our space acronym and considering the speaker, audience, and context before we get into an explanation of what these verses are saying. So we start with the speaker. What do we know about the author of Hebrews? Well, here's some points. Many assume Paul was the author, is actually unknown. Some scholars actually most likely is Paul, though. And others say it could be one of Paul's companions, like Luke or Barnabas, who was a church elder, or Aquila and Priscilla, who were his friends, and they were, they were helpers of him in making tents. But the bottom line is the speaker is a respected church leader who wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Remember, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that, all scripture is inspired by God, and it's beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All right, Jordan, so what about the audience? Well, the letter is called Hebrews, meaning Jewish background believers. And just to note, you know, today some Christians use similar terms for converts. For example, Jews for Jesus or Messianic Jews would be JBBs. And there are MBBs as well, which is Muslim background believers, people who were raised in a Muslim family and came to believe in Jesus Christ. And uh, just as a little shout out to any JBBs or MBBs listening out there, um, (laughs) (laughs) hello to you. I have both of those in my family. Anyway, a JBB would be a good description of all the early followers of Jesus Christ. You know, by this time, the gospel or good news had gone beyond the Jews to the Gentile world. And, you know, that's a key point that uh, we've talked about before in a lesson, but I want to emphasize it again here. 
you know, there's the first commission and there's the second commission or the great commission, right? The first commission was at the beginning of the gospel of Matthew. If you want to look it up, Jesus sent his disciples only to Israel to preach repentance and to announce the coming of the Messiah. And then at the end of Matthew, you have that second commission, which we call the great commission, where he sent the disciples to all nations to announce the Trinity now, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then after the second commission, there was even still a grace period that lasted about 40 years. So if you were to kind of visualize it as a Venn diagram, if you can go back to your schooling days, you know, two circles that overlap, there was this age of the law, which was spirit salvation by works, and this age of grace that followed spirit salvation by faith, and those kind of overlapped in what we think is about a 40-year period. So, you know, What's interesting about that, and this is a little bit of a digression, but during this overlap, Israel could have repented, the Bible says, and actually ushered in the kingdom right then and there. But of course they didn't. Very true, Jordan. Now also the audience is important because the message to the Jews was always a bit different than the message to the Gentiles. One major difference was that Jewish believers had a really hard time letting go of old thinking and their old rituals, such as their human priests, their sacrifices, circumcision, dietary restrictions, etc. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, do not presume that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And then Jesus added, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of a letter shall pass from the law. So a question that you might have is, doesn't this mean the Jewish believers who insisted on following the law were correct by following the law? Yeah, the key is the verses that come after that. Jesus says, whoever nullifies one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in, and listen to this, the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness far surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's Matthew 6, 19 through 20. So for our listeners, do you remember John 3 and our Lord's conversation with Nicodemus? To see the kingdom, you must be born again or born of the Spirit. To enter the kingdom, you must be obedient and, for instance, be baptized. So this is talking about qualification, not justification. It's about works and reward. Here, Jesus says we must keep and teach the commandments to earn the kingdom. And those who nullify the commandments, like the scribes and Pharisees were doing, will lose the kingdom. Of course, this raises another question, which is, Wouldn't that include what to eat, blood sacrifices, circumcision, keeping the Sabbath, the whole thing? What do you say to that, Andy? Well, I would say no, Jordan, no, because these verses appear in the Sermon on the Mount. And what follows is our Lord's explanation of the commandments about murder and adultery and divorce. Now, the point of our Lord's sermon was to get them and to get us to see past the letter of the law and see the spirit of the law. Of course, what its purpose was, what it's meant, what it's what what God's desire was, if we apply that law, and and then later, you know, we understand that that changes as Jesus starts to introduce a new law for Christians. Is and I know we have a a teaching about that. I think you can find it in our archives if you visit Mysteries of the Kingdom motk.org. You can see our teachings about uh, Sermon on the Mount, and then again, that brings us to the context of our scripture reading here in Hebrews. Now, in earlier chapters, the author 
spends time on this very matter. He reminds his, the earlier chapters of Hebrews, he reminds his audience of, which were Jewish believers, they were saved, that earthly priests and sacrificial rites are no longer necessary because we have a perfect high priest in heaven, a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek existed at the time of Abraham, and it's important to remember that he was both a high priest and a king at the same time. Now, Melchizedek was a type, or you could say a foreshadow of who Jesus was and who he is now and who he's going to be. He was a prophet, he's our high priest now, and one day he will be the king. Now, since understanding typology requires epinosis or higher knowledge that only the spiritually mature can understand, the author of Hebrews pauses in chapter 5 to chastise his audience. And he writes, quote, concerning him, Melchizedek, we have much to say, and it is difficult to explain since you, the listeners who I'm writing to, have become poor listeners. And then he goes on to explain the differences between the milk and the meat doctrines in an analogy. Now that we've considered the speaker, audience, and context, we're better equipped to give an explanation. That's how the space method works, and it's a really great tool that we love to use, and we hope you'll use it too. So let's go ahead now and break down this passage of Scripture. Hebrews 5.12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food, or meat in the King James. So let's take a look at this, Andy. For example, let's look at the phrase, you ought to be teachers. Have you ever met someone who grew up in a Christian family and went to church every Sunday, yet their knowledge of the Bible was still sort of at the Sunday school level? After all that time listening to sermons, sitting there every Sunday morning, you know, they should be the ones preaching, right? Yet their knowledge of the word is still pretty basic. And that's what the author of this letter is saying of the Hebrews. It's actually worse. He's saying they actually forgot their Sunday school lessons as well, isn't he, Andy? Pretty much. I mean, look at those words there. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God. This verse here is referring to the basics of Christianity, which we call the milk doctrines. And that's according to scripture, according to Hebrews. It involves the basics of salvation. Now, the key point to remember is the fact that Jesus paid it all paid for all sin once forever, and that we are saved for all eternity. Now, when Christians today teach that salvation can be lost or forfeited, they're forgetting the elementary principles, which means that they must be taught again. And it's impossible for a Christian to mature to meet if they overlook this very important fact. You know, you have come to need milk and not solid food, or again, meat in the King James. You know, this is where the author of Hebrews introduces his analogy which he will explain in the next verse. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 to 14. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unacquainted with the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food, or what we call today meat, is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. Yeah, so milk is for infants, solid food or meat is for the mature. And this is a perfect analogy that ties in with John 3 and the Nicodemus dialogue that I mentioned earlier. Jesus told Nicodemus about being spiritually born again, you know, born from above, born of the Spirit. And just like a human newborn, a spiritual newborn 
baby drinks milk. You know, and, and we don't, you know, in this analogy, we can sometimes get to the point of diminishing milk, but don't forget that Peter, the apostle Peter, calls it the pure milk of the word. It, it's not bad by any sense. It's, it's, it's really pure and fundamental. That's 1 Peter 2, 2, by the way. But just like an adolescent shouldn't still be nursing, believers who have been believers for years shouldn't still be drinking milk. They should have moved on to solid food or the meatier aspects of the word and of Christian living. We can also think of this as gnosis, which is Greek for knowledge, versus epinosis, which is Greek for higher knowledge. Knowing the milk doctrines, or what the author called the elementary principles, the principles of justification, if you will, versus knowing the meat doctrines, advanced principles, or the principles of qualification. And if you're someone who, like me, has been a believer since childhood, maybe you can relate to what I'm about to say. Have you ever been sitting in church listening to a sermon about how to get saved for perhaps the 100th or maybe even 1,000th time, and you said to yourself, why is the pastor preaching this message right now? Everyone sitting here is saved. I understand the need to witness to the unsaved, and maybe someone here still needs to hear this, but what about the rest of us? When do we get fed? And, you know, although it's a little selfish, if it resonates, you kind of get what this section of Hebrews is talking about. Milk is for babies. The mature need meat. They crave meat. So what exactly is meat, Andy? Two clues in this verse, Jordan, are, quote, the word of righteousness and, quote, senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. Now, the word of righteousness speaks of holy Christian living. This difficult-to-maintain path requires constant confession of sins, prayer, and studying of the scriptures. And of course, knowing the difference between good and evil is actually having a spirit of discerning, which means you know the difference between true doctrine and false doctrine when you hear it. For instance, if you walk into a church and it could be a new church or a friend invites you to a church and and as you mature and not only have fed and learn how to process the milk doctrines, but also the meat doctrines, which is what we pray our ministry is is doing for all of our listeners, Sometimes you walk into that church and you're like, wow, you know, these guys are missing the mark. I mean, I love it here. It's wonderful. The choir, the people, the love, but th- this is a milk teaching church. And and that's, I think, the point you were trying to make earlier, Jordan, is that once you learn these deeper doctrines, you have a craving for the meat. Right Now, not knowing the difference between spirit salvation and soul salvation when mentioned in scripture is a major dividing line. That's that's the key to understand. And of course, we'll talk more about meat in a moment, but first let's also define milk a little more so we can contrast it. And the next chapter and verse, I think, help explain that. And that's Hebrews chapter six, verses one to three. Okay, so I'll briefly read that. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands, and about the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. I just quickly, you know, before you talk about it, Andy, not laying again a foundation, right? That's sort of what I was speaking about earlier as well. The constant laying again of a foundation for those who crave the meat, it, eventually you're not getting fed. Yeah, exactly, Jordan. To your point, and I think a lot of our listeners, especially of our listeners that have been following us for a while, know that you know that foundation is, okay, glory goes to God, we're saved, Jesus paid it all, 
He died for our sins. He was buried for three days and three nights. God raised him from the dead. That's, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 15, verses 3 to 4. That's the gospel of grace. That's the foundation. But as we know, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, one lays the foundation. That's Jesus Christ. But it's our job to build on that. And, and we need meat. We need muscle. We need to strengthen our, our spiritual man so that we can serve the Lord. And and again, in this verse here, we see a couple key points that 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 come out to me. It's the elementary teachings about the Christ, which I think is self-explanatory, and repentance from dead works. We know these things. You know, everything outlined in verses one to three, remember, our milk doctrine. And those are just basic truths that every Christian must know before they can go on to maturity and then learn about how to live so that we can all enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, and there's some other interesting phrases like instruction about washings, laying of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. And, you know, they're interesting. Allow me to rephrase for modern audiences. If you're hearing about Christian rites and rituals from the pulpit, you're being fed milk. If you're hearing about, you know, gifts of the Spirit, especially the flashy, more magical ones, you're really being fed milk. And if you're hearing about the resurrection of the dead or hellfire, again, you're being fed milk. You know, even repentance from dead works is called a milk doctrine. Of course, we do need to be reminded that if we confess our sins, Jesus, our high priest, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. But mature believers don't need to be taught that. They are acutely aware of their sins, and they confess them constantly. In summary, not one of those very popular church topics that I mentioned is meat. And again, you may be thinking, well, that's all the topics I ever hear about. So what is actually left? Yeah, Jordan, you know, once we clearly identify that Paul is making a rebuke to Christians here, we actually see that he's upset that Christians are questioning their salvation and what they believe is important. I mean, you know, I digress for a second, but I, I truly believe that churches today, feel they feel in their mind, I guess it could be a self-righteousness that we have to be careful not to give out the meat because some people can't handle it. But they're, they're, if they just look at themselves inwardly, read these verses, what they think is meat is actually just milk. Right. You know, teaching people, you know, to be aware of their walk and, and, you know, their sins and their confession and righteous living and, you know, and so on and so forth. It, it really is a shame. And I think that's just the compensation of them actually themselves from the top down, not knowing the difference between milk and meat. So in the context of the whole book of Hebrews, Paul's making an argument for Christians to not stress about the basics of our faith that initially came along with spirit salvation. Paul, you can see here, has a fire in his heart to share with his audience, which are the already saved church, all of his knowledge of Jesus's future kingdom, what it's about, and how Christians must live in order to attain to it. Learning that Christians will be raptured and and enjoying everlasting life is simply the milk of the word. It's the milk of the word. Contrawise, learning that Christians who offer their lives a living sacrifice for Christ Jesus and then maintain walking the straight and narrow path, which will lead to entrance into the bridal chamber, that, everyone, is the meat of the word. And that is exactly what our ministry is always trying to do, and that's what we're about. And that today is our lesson. Okay, Andy, we have a little bit more time left, so I have a couple of questions for discussion here that I wrote. And I think um, one of them, a, a really good one to get into, would be to get specific on meat doctrines. I know you, you alluded to them 
a little bit uh, just before, but in terms of practical things that we can know that we're we're eating meat, like what, what would be one of the top ones that you would say? Well, the first one that comes to mind for me, Jordan, is that at the Bema Seat or the Judgment Seat of Christ, every Christian will be there. Everyone who's saved, who accepted Jesus as their Savior, will be raptured. And they will all have to come to the judgment seat of Christ to be judged for everything they did in the body, whether it was good or evil. And and we could read about that in 1 Corinthians. I talked about it earlier, chapter 3. And and we'll see how God is actually going to separate what we did in the flesh to what we did led by the Holy Spirit. And if we did enough works under the leadership of the Holy Spirit for his glory— then we will be allowed to enter the millennial kingdom to serve him during this thousand year reign. However, there's going to be a lot of Christians and we read that, we see a lot of that in, in a lot of, uh, of the Old Testament that there's going to be many Christians who will be coming to the beam of seat of Christ, but mostly works done in the flesh. And because of that, they're going to be left, they'll still be saved, but they'll be left behind only to watch and admire what faithful Christians will be doing alongside Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's a great one. The master builder analogy in First Corinthians three. So um, we we do have a uh, we have little morsels of meat. Of course, these twenty minute Bible studies are meant to be those morsels of meat. So we have a whole lesson on on that in the archives. If you want to search for it and learn more about the master builder analogy, and then um, you know whether good or bad, right? So you mentioned or good or evil, right? That 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 in itself, that wrestling with that, um, particularly as someone who came up in a in a milk doctrines church. Um, you know, the first time you hear that there's actually a penalty side for a saved person, it just, it, it, it's difficult to wrap your head around, but that really is a very meaty topic to sink your teeth into. Yes, you're saved from, of course, the worst pen- punishment of all, which is eternal separation from God. But yes, there are also pros and cons. There are also rewards and punishments for Christians. And that, that concept in itself could occupy um, a much of meat doctrine teaching and I also think of, you mentioned it in a uh, previous episode, we did the, um, the Sermon on the Mount itself, whether you take the whole thing and condense it down, and as we have done to, to Jesus Christ's 12 commandments for spiritual growth, or you look at the Beatitudes, like you mentioned, as a ladder of Christian growth. That's some really meaty stuff as well. Amen, Jordan. Before we go, don't forget, we want to hear from you. Even if you don't agree with what you heard today, just give us a call and leave a message. Our number is 908 area code 271-6717. And if you ask a good question or make a good point, we might even be able to put you on the show. Once again, our number is area code 908-271-6717. 20-Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom, or M-O-T-K. If you prefer, you can send your questions or comments to info at motk.org. That's info at motk.org. You could also visit our website at www.motk.org. On our site, you can listen to this lesson again. You can also hear past lessons, and you can even find out more about our ministry. So until next time, we leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.
Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple. Our music was recorded by the Abundant Life Worship Center. Our sound editor is J.P. Eli. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Reserved Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.